Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Brady looking that way and fires that way, and it's going to be caught in this Godwin. The timing on that was simply unbelievable. What a night for Godwin. Some great catches. Suck up trying to win it. Got it. They finally have a kicker in Tampa Bay. What a game! I still think Roberto Aguayo would have made that kick to win the game, but who knows? <laughs> Chris Sims, Mike Florio, PFT Live. Chris, near the pirate ship in a rainstorm, yeah. although it was raining five minutes ago in Tampa, it may have already stopped. But uh, one more day for you. We're doing our Mega Picks podcast later. That'll be on Peacock tonight. For now, though, for the next two hours, we got plenty of football to talk about because plenty of football happened last night. Good morning, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I mean, it's uh, it was amazing last night being here in this atmosphere. You know, it was it was great for me personally, of course, just to be back as a, a former ex-Buck. But to see fans in the stadium, you know, some of the old players, uh, just the excitement on the field, it was really cool. It is cool to still be here right now. I mean, I'm by the pirate ship. You know, that's a special spot for me. And I'm not sweating my butt off, which is even uh, more important right now. Thank you very much for that. More on that to come. I did see that Warren Sapp was in the building last night. Did you slip back into your old relationship where you have to provide him with his Copenhagen, he throws $20 bills on the ground, and you pick them up? Did any of that surface again? I, I did have to go up and pay homage to him, yes. And then, you know, anytime you see Sapp, so he was he was there right before our last segment of the pregame show, and it was Sapp, Rondé Barber, and Derek Brooks. I stay in pretty good contact with Rondé Barber, but Brooks and Sapp, Brooks every now and then. Sapp, you know, it's one of those things where we'll be in contact, we'll lose contact for a while, and, of course, I got to take, like, just – you know, him yelling at me, oh, you don't call me back, you don't text me, and he just rattles things off to me. But uh, it was great to see him, and he's still the same old Warren Sapp, man, full of energy, uh, got a lot of answers on football and full of opinions. Did he tell you he's better than Aaron Donald? 
Uh, no, that's what I know. That's what I was scared of. You're right. Yeah. He usually does bring it into like a defensive tackle situation where he's like, you give that defensive tackle too much love. He's not, Wait, show me the double teams. Who's double teaming him? He gets into all that. But uh, no, he, he was awesome. And it really, uh, the Glazier family getting to see them, just the presentation they put on in the pregame, uh, the way the field looked, of course, it, w- it was all special. It, it really made you realize how much you last year was weird. I don't think I realized how weird last Last year was until I saw how awesome last night was. Uh, so it was refreshing, and it's going to make for an awesome season. And we got exactly what we wanted. We didn't get what we thought we would get, but we said all week we want a close game. The Cowboys' best chance, keep it close in the fourth quarter, hang around, and we'll break down everything that happened, at least all the important stuff. But, Chris, it, it was the perfect ending. The Cowboys take the lead. I knew they were leaving too much time on the clock for Tom Brady and company. They showed the graphic that Brady is 8-18, and 18, now 9-18, and 18, in a spot like that where he's trying to lead or tie with minimal time on the clock, and he took the team down the field and, and, and wisely left no time. People were confused by what he was doing near the end, and I know it's a minimal part of the game, but it just shows you the command that he has when he's – throwing those incompletions just to burn time off the clock before they kicked the field goal. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, they put they did it exactly the right way. I mean, yeah. Their, their defense did not have their best night. Don't give, give Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb 20 seconds on the clock to make magic happen and maybe have a, a guy like Zerline, who we've seen, can, can, can make 58-yarders, 60-yarders, have that chance. So, yes, they played it perfectly you know, down the end. Brady is amazing. I, I don't know what else to say. There's so many things to talk about in this game. I mean, there's yes, one. I, I, there's one. Yeah. <laughs> there's that one. Was, that was an unbelievable throw, and that really was the throw that set them uh, up extension. for – Extension, yeah. Oh, how was that not flagged, though? I, I don't want to rain, literally, or figuratively, yeah, on okay. parade. But, but, right. but you know, and, and Chris Collinsworth explained it well last night. When you do that back shoulder throw, you've already got the defensive back on his heels. So he's more susceptible to fall down. Definitely. That was not a right. soccer-style flop by the DB. But there was, anytime you see, we've been conditioned over the years, and you know this, anytime you see that arm go out by the offensive player, what happens? Right. Flag. Yeah. No, you're right. Listen, that's probably the questionable call of the night, right? I mean, that's certainly the one that everybody's going to talk about. The thing I always come back to on those plays was their contact, yes. But as you look at the play, and if we show the replay one more time, I mean, the defender initiates the contact. He's holding on to the receiver before the ball's there. So that's where I always like, see, he's initiated. So now, yes, he has to put his arm out. Uh, For me, 26 there. Jordan the Lewis Cowboys would have been happy first. with offsetting fouls. The Cowboys would have been ho- happy with offsetting pass interference. I'll, sure. I'll tell you that much. Well, hey, the last thing here, and before we just get into the game, L- L- Tampa was the better team on the field. You know, hey, I give Dallas a lot of credit. And, man, I mean, Dak Prescott, holy cow, Batman. I mean, what a beast. I, I really I can't even say enough about that. But we talked about how is this game even close, you know, yesterday. How is it close? Maybe if Tampa – pees down their leg a little bit, right? Well, they did that. I mean, there's no doubt. They tried to, you know, give the game away there with three horrible turnovers and some big moments. Dallas took those opportunities, but fun game. It added to, you know, made some great theatrics at the end. And, of course, yeah, when Brady got that ball uh, with that time left, uh, you knew they were going to go down and get, get a field goal. The combination of the turnovers plus injuries in the secondary that depleted. Oh, 
the Tampa Bay defense and made it easier for Amari Cooper, who was awesome, and CeeDee Lamb, who was awesome, and Dak Prescott, who was awesome, to just consistently carve them up. We didn't see much out of the front. We saw it near the end of the first half, and I thought, "Uh uh-oh, the second half is going to be like the Super Bowl all over again where Dak Prescott is running for his life. They did rise up with that pressure, but it it didn't last, and it it left the door open for the Cowboys to steal that game. And uh, I feel bad for Cowboys fans because they did everything that they could to win that game. It played out just perfectly except for the fact that they, they left too much time on the clock for Tom Brady. Yeah, exactly right. I, I mean, at the very least, Cowboy fans should look at it and go, wait, our quarterback's ready. I mean, that to me is the, the most remarkable thing of last night. Hey, I know Brady at 44 throwing the lasers around the field is unreal. But I, I don't know if, if everybody understands, you know, if, you know it, it's just to not, to not be able to play for 10 months – not have a lot of practice time in training camp, and then you know, and then not even play in preseason football games, and then come out against the world champs, a defense that's got some big bad dudes everywhere, and they just put the game on his shoulders and say, "Carry the squad, Dak Prescott. No run game. We might run a few times just to barely, you know, barely keep them honest on that side of the ball." But I, I've really, ne- I can say this: I've never seen anything like that to where a guy hasn't played that long and they just said, get in the shotgun. We know your leg is still not 100%. He still doesn't move to his full 100% capacity. He had the arm issue and just delivered one unbelievable throw. The gutsiness in the pocket, I mean, just never flinches. And to me, that's what's always made Dak Prescott a a top 10 quarterback. You know, he just has an unbelievable ability to be in the scrum and still look down the field and not worry about people grabbing at him or around his feet. And we've seen that in the past, Mike. I mean, you bring it up all the time about quarterbacks with a hurt knee or ankle and how they're afraid to step in the pocket or have people around them. Joe Burrow, right? We didn't see any of that from Dak Prescott last night. Non-issue. The ankle was a non-issue. I cringed every time that he ran the ball. Right. Because it brought back memories of what we saw against the Giants when the ankle broke, but he didn't cringe. He didn't flinch. He stood in there and did everything that he did. He looked exactly like the guy that he was before the injury. It's a testament to the work that he's put in, and here he is after the game talking about all of the effort and how it paid off with a great performance and almost paid off with a great upset to start the season. I don't feel like I say things just to say them, so uh, that's just a credit to all the work that I put in. Uh, I think when you invest that much um, work and rehab and prehab and just everything that has gone into the last 11 months for me to get back onto the field. Um, you're not surprised about um, the way that I went out there and, and, as I said, false. Ran the ball a couple of times and did things that um, I normally do 11 months ago. So, um, no, I feel like I'm a better player than I was when I left the field. And I told you all that was the expe- expectations I had for myself. And I'll continue to try to get better uh, game in and game out. 42 for 58, 403 yards, three touchdowns, one pick, passer rating of 101.4. What a return by Dak Prescott. Somebody, I think it was Mike Sando of The Athletic, that joked that based on the first half, it looks like Dak Prescott is on a pitch count. He's going to throw only 75 passes tonight. 
Yeah, I, that that's what the amazing thing to me. You would think like, hey, it's it's Dak Prescott. He hasn't played in a while. You know, let's rely on the running game, kind of ease him into the situation. You know, th- that was never the case. In fact, they got into some running formations like 12 personnel, right? One back, two tight ends, where you thought, oh, maybe they'll run the ball. But no, it was all a setup to get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to play three down linemen, four linebackers, or a 4-3, have their base defense in, and then they put, they would spread the, the field out with these, these two tight ends, and they knew they were going to get man-to-man, and Dak Prescott just picked them apart early on in the football game. Uh, but that, to me, is where it's amazing, Mike. Just the fact that they really – the game plan was throw the ball, put the game on Dak's shoulders from the get-go, and I don't remember anybody. I really, I'm dead serious. When I talk about Peyton Manning coming back from the neck injury in a Sunday night game against the Chicago Bears, you know, Brady coming back after his knee injury, I've never seen a quarterback hit the ground running after that serious of an injury and just be like, oh, what, wait, he was hurt last year? Are you, are you sure? Uh, that, 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 I can't say enough about it. Dak Prescott is one of the best quarterbacks we got in this league, and more importantly, the one thing you see in pregame and even during the game he's one of the greatest leaders in the game too I mean we know Tom Brady's the top of the list as far as that's concerned but Dak Prescott brings an element of generalship to their team uh, that you can't really quantify in a stat book Chris Sims accidental scholar that's another Boom. one of those words where quantify. I hear generalship I had no not quantify oh that, no. that one okay generalship <laughs> we're gonna have to have generalship. Our researchers check whether or I'm not. pretty Go sure I got that right Quick. To the Google. General ship. All right. Ezekiel Elliott was a non-factor. 11 carries, 33 yards. Although, although, Ezekiel Elliott had some incredible blitz pickups of Devin White. Oh, my gosh. Incredible. White coming through unscathed, and there's Ezekiel Elliott. And it didn't blow him up, but he, he did the job. He did the job and got in the way of a guy who could have created havoc, Chris. Yes, Mike, I, you know, that's that's the forgotten part of what people think a running back goes through. You know, they just think about carries, and that's where you and I talk about how we feel sorry for NFL running backs all the time. Yeah, you get carries and you get crushed by 300-pounders and 250-pounders, but what about when Devin White at 245 is running 4-4 full speed at you, and he just, that's, I mean, Zeke is as tough as they get. I'll never question that. I really won't. Now, do I think we're going to ever see the Zeke of two years ago, three years ago? I, I don't think so. And I, and I think Dallas kind of told you last night, like with the way they played that game, that no, that guy doesn't exist anymore. He's a good player, but we're playing through Dak Prescott and the wide receivers. And I think, you know, that, that era of the, the Cowboys winning the line of scrimmage and Zeke Elliott just dominating the run game, uh, it's a different Dallas Cowboys football team. It's, it's Dak Prescott's team, and it's all about the air show. Well, because the offensive line doesn't have road graders across the five positions like it used to. And there was no Zach Martin last night. It's entirely possible that the game plan was. And based upon the little bit of hard knocks I watched, because let's face it, it wasn't very compelling this year. But with Dak Prescott healthy, I could see him pestering Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore, Moore the offensive coordinator, McCarthy the head coach, saying, put this on me. Put this on me. We don't have Zach Martin. Put this on me. We don't need to try to run the ball. Put this on me. I'll get it done. I'm fine. I want to show everybody I'm fine. And and it worked. It almost worked. Yeah. But it worked. Yeah. It it did. Yeah, I mean, it did. It worked. You know, and I'm Dak Prescott, I think, is the guy that's always raising his hands. Like, yeah, I'll do it. Put it on me. 
put more on me. I think he is that guy. He's like Brady that way, which is like, you know, I really respect it. But also, I give Dallas a lot of credit, too. I think they looked at it and said, wait, you know, yeah, you, you said it right. Dallas offensive line, they don't have the Rogue Raiders like they did three, four, five years ago. We know that, I mean, that Tampa D line is as stout as it comes in football as far as stopping the run. And I think Dallas looked at it and goes, wait, if we're going to go down, we're going down swinging with our best punches. And our best punches are Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, and Amari Cooper with a little Michael Gallup and Cedric Wilson mixed in. And that, that I did like about their attack. They weren't going to mess around. They were going to get their best players the ball and try to win that game that way. And, of course, it almost worked out for them. 13 catches for Amari Cooper for 139 yards. C.D. Lamb, 7 for 104. Cooper had two touchdowns. Lamb had one. What a combination those two are. And we already believe that Cooper's contract likely will mean that after this year they'll move on. But if he plays like this, it's going to be hard to move on. You want to take full advantage of having these two guys together with Dak Prescott. Are you kidding me? And there had been that... Not so quiet buzz and hope and hype that Lamb was going to go next level this year. He went next level last night. He, at times, is unstoppable. He's just so skinny. He's like Randy Moss rookie year skinny. But when you can move like that, you don't have to worry about somebody blasting you. And uh, I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of that all year long. I I think so. And, uh, you know, you know. After seeing last night and just how invested they are into the pass game, I, you know, it makes me change my thought about the Amari Cooper situation. You know why? You know they don't have to pay C.D. Lamb for another year or two after this, right? So they can prolong that. And right now they look like they're just going, no, our bread and butter is our pass game. Like the Kansas City Chiefs, they're going to go, wait, we're going to have an elite pass game and stress teams out with that and make them have to adjust off our elite group there. And that, that makes sense to me. There's no question about it. And, and they're dangerous. Now, Mike, there's the other thing I'll say about the game that jumped out to me. You heard me talk about last night or yesterday, right, about the Bucks. Don't blitz so much. Don't leave these guys one-on-one. That, to me, was maybe the shocker of the game with the X's and O's. I just couldn't believe how many times Todd Bowles blitzed Dak Prescott early on in the game and left, you know, uh, Demps and, and some of those guys. Uh, am I saying his right name right? Demps, 35. That's the guy I'm trying to think of. Yeah, J- J- Jamel Dean, excuse me. Dean. Jamel Dean, Dean, one-on-one on an island. You know, just it, there's too many good receivers on this football team to play one-on-one. I just was shocked that that was the approach by Tampa Bay, and I think that's something they got to watch out for. It's one of their negative things is when Bowles gets too over-aggressive, you know, their secondary is good, but as Chris Collinsworth mentioned last night, it's not like, oh, wow, it's definitely one of the three or five best secondaries in football. Uh, and that, to me, I just did not understand. And finally, later in the game, they started to dial it back a little bit. Because even when they were blitzing, they weren't getting there. They weren't getting sacks. Yeah, they hit him a few times, but he was still getting to throw the ball where he wanted to. And I just didn't understand that aspect of uh, Tampa's defensive game plan. Just rely on that front four. You're not going to have a yeah. dominant game like you did against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl every week. But rely on the front four. Play the old Tampa two. Use the front four. And the back seven to otherwise take care of making sure that, number one, guys aren't wide open. Number two, when they are and after they've caught the ball, you swarm to them and tackle them. That that may be something that that the Buccaneers will be doing more of in the future. And, you know, I think so. I always say week one, first opponent, you kind of have to throw it out mentally because you never know how good or bad the team is that you beat. You never know how good or bad the team is that beat you. 
tonight was an exception, or last night was an exception to that. It still feels like tonight. It still feels like one continuous. I, event. I hear you. I feel the, like I slept the, here. The the, <laughs> the I'm surprised you didn't. You're in the pirate ship. I, I you, you need to go looking for the football. It may be in there. I some, need to ask uh, the Glazers from 16 yeah, years ago. Like Glazers, can you give me a bunk bed in the pirate ship when I'm in town, please? I mean, come on, come on. I lost the spleen. But, I should at least get a a, a bunk bed. Find in the a pirate bunk bed. Ship. <laughs> the, the idea that last night's game, I think, really does give us a better feeling about the Cowboys than we had. Now, what they do with it from here remains to be seen. There's still a long way to go. There's still 15 games. But it was encouraging. And, and right. I know it's got to feel like you had your heart ripped out. If you're a Cowboys fan, you let yourself believe you were going to steal it. It would have been an epic night. It would have been an event for the age. It goes back to what we talked about yesterday. The team with the bravado. The team with the swagger was the old Yuccaneers who came on the scene when the Cowboys were the team with the swagger and the bravado and the attitude. And they would beat you 45 to nothing if they had a chance to do it. So I think the Cowboys should be proud of what happened. It's the best loss you could have to start the season. They weathered the storm. I think I heard them mention last night that the Cowboys don't play a team that went to the playoffs last year until week 11 when they play the Chiefs. Right, right. So they could get... They could get on a roll here, and, and, and they have plenty of reasons to feel good about what's to come. Yeah, no, they do. I, I think like, you said it right. It's really encouraging with the way they look. You know, even defensively, you saw it's definitely markedly better than last year. You know, again, I'm not expecting it to be like the Dallas Cowboys defense of 92 and 93 or, you know, back in the day of the 70s. But you see that Dan Quinn's at least got the group together where they're not going to be a pushover. They're not. They, they got, you know, some decent personnel. We saw Demarcus Lawrence pop a few times last night, you know, got a sack, got the strip on the Ronald Jones fumble. So he popped. That was encouraging. You know, Micah Parsons still looks the part. So there's a lot of things, I think, to be positive about that Cowboy football team. And, yeah, the way their schedule sets up, you know, it's, 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 they're going to be a player. I, 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 it definitely changed my thought on their football team. There's no question. To where I thought, no, there's no way they'll win the NFC East this year. To now I go, eh, okay, Dak Prescott is hitting the ground running you know, better than I thought. And, yeah, maybe they can win the NFC East after all. One last point on the Cowboys before we pivot yeah. to Tampa Bay. I posted something last night before the game that someone had made a gigantic wager on Ezekiel Elliott scoring a touchdown last night. 75,000 bet to win 140,000 and change. And there was a moment down near the goal line where Zeke caught the ball near the two. His momentum took him out of bounds, and then they ran the ball to him, and he got painfully close. So whoever that was. Now, my guess is there's a lot more than that $75,000 floating around in the bank account. But still, to have it hinge on that, Zeke did not get to the end zone last night. So... Uh, the house wins, as sometimes as usual. it tends to do. Yes. <laughs> right. The Bucks won, as we expected, but not and, – and, but before we fully pivot to the Bucks, I was getting very nervous, Chris, because before the game, we all oh. across the board Kiss go Bucks, 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 Bucks. And I right. don't know if Drew Brees said this during the show, but when we were rehearsing yesterday and we were doing the picks segment, he said the last primetime game in Tampa – 
everybody picked the Bucks too. What happened then? Yeah, that was when right. the Saints went down and beat the crap out of us. It was right. funny. It was hilarious. But uh, we were all on the Bucks. I was getting very nervous because we'd have been dealing with that all day long. Definitely. I thought the same thing. I mean, yeah, I, I was like, oh, gosh, we, it is the kiss of death. And what, well, we got burned like that on, on uh, our, our football night in America, what, maybe three times last year, four times where At least, we all yeah. went. Yeah, we all went chalk and picked a team. And of course, you know, then the then the team that wins the game likes to put us on social media and tell everybody what idiots we are. Yes, we, we already are idiots. We'll stipulate that we're idiots. You don't need to point it out after we pick <laughs> a game you. wrong. Right. There are many reasons that you can point to to call us idiots. But ultimately, we were not idiots because we knew that Tampa Bay was just going to be too good. Last night, that night, that environment, raising the banner, celebrating the Super Bowl championship and bringing everyone back, including and most particularly Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. Gronk had a couple of touchdown catches last night. Here's Brady praising Gronk and Gronk praising Brady. You know, he's had a great camp. I knew he was going to have a great game tonight and uh, be prepared. He you know, obviously went to him there on the two-minute drive. He had a huge catch and run. He's just a great player, just a great attitude, great teammate. I, mean, I think everybody in the locker room just loves that guy, watching him, being with him, and uh, on and off the field. He's just an amazing guy. So everyone loves seeing guys like that successful. And I'm just happy that he's loving what he's doing and contributing to the team the way that he is. And it was really uh, fun to see tonight. Hey, Tom, on that second touchdown to Rob where he released and, and then went over, was that improvised? Was that the yeah. design? No, that was uh, not the design. So there was a lot of things that were off on that play. No, Tom made a great call. Uh, I think I was actually on a route, and then he checked me into blocking, and he checked me into blocking and then releasing. And I was like, oh, man, he just he just sees it all on the field. It's impressive. I mean, you guys have been playing for, you know, like 80 years, seen every defense, seen every player, uh, you know, played with so many, he, and just sees, you know, so many fronts too. So he saw it. He read it well. Uh, you know, it's a play we've scored a couple of tugs on in our, in our, in our career. So, uh, but no more talking about that play because I, I like that play. I don't like anyone knowing about it. Yeah, too late for that. And it was a great play. Chris Godwin was standing there saying, hey, I'm open, I'm open. And Gronk kind of went right to the spot where Godwin was. And Godwin got the ball after Gronk, or Go- or Gronk got the ball after Godwin uh, was there. And Gronk released and uh, a couple of connections last night. It took him a long time last year to get up to speed, Brady and Gronk. Remember, most of the early part of the year, it was yeah. fairly limited reps and a lot of blocking for Gronk, but he was the guy last night. He looks to me, from a size standpoint, the guy that he used to be. He was so That's skinny it. after he retired. No, no doubt, Mike. Uh, it's the first thing that jumped out to me really throughout training camp when I saw interviews, seeing him on the field yesterday, though. I mean, you see him in the press, the, the post-game press conference right there. His neck is back to Gronk neck, you know. It's, it's, he's back to the size and football shape and the power and explosion he needs. But this play right here is next level. I mean, that really is. I can't say enough. I mean, like Gronk is saying it. You know, for the quarterback to go, oh, wait, it's all out blitz, you know. And, and if we could rewind the tape just a little bit to go back to that play, maybe Kristen or Courtney, to that touchdown down the middle to Gronkowski. I mean, Brady's – and here you go. Brady's ability – just go back a little farther here just so we can get to the snap and just pause it right – a little bit here, right here. Pause it right there if you can. You see he's got a guy over him covering him. Like, it looks like there's a DB there. I think it's Keanu O'Neal on this one, man-to-man. 
but Brady knows that guy is going to blitz. And now he knows Gronk is going to block Demarcus Lawrence, and Demarcus Lawrence is going to be responsible for Gronk if he goes downfield. And that's just next level. Like that is like there's only a few quarterbacks in football that are going to recognize that and make that type of switch at the line of scrimmage with this type of play. So now go ahead and roll the tape, guys, if you can. And you see he's he's blocking. Demarcus Lawrence doesn't do a bad job. You see he's right there. He's a 280-pound defense end. He's not used to covering Gronk downfield. That's just an unbelievable execution and ability to recognize by Brady. And okay, go ahead. Just play the rest of the highlights. We're good now. Uh, but that just was a, a, a phenomenal moment of just showing, again, the, the, the mastery Brady has of the quarterback position is, is truly special. Gets back to what we have said all week, that you can't show Tom Brady anything he hasn't already seen before. He saw that blitz coming. He knew where the hot read was going to be, and he went there. And he was unfazed by it. He had a guy in his face, but he had complete confidence that Gronk was going to be open, where he was going to be, fired the laser, still has that arm. Amazing to see that arm on display. Unbelievable. If anything, it does seem like his arm's getting stronger, not weaker, as he gets deeper into his 40s. No question, Mike. I mean, listen, nobody's watched Tom Brady more than me as far as, like, outside of New England. I mean, I've been obsessed with him since I was in in college. I could tell you every technique he's thrown with throughout his career. You've heard me talk about it, you know. And those those years of 2011, 12, 13, he had some weird flaws in his technique throwing the football. Yeah, they were winning games, but we've discussed it. He had issues throwing the ball down the field. The numbers say that. But, man – he just is such a technician, and being on the field. I mean, I've caught passes from Brady, you know, in 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 practice. I've I've of course played against him in 2005 in a late game in December. He's always had an incredibly strong arm. He really has. But now he's got like the technique and the mechanics that are really allowing him to just step on the gas and be accurate at any time. And that, to me, yes, he's throwing the ball better now than he was in 2012, 2013. And being on the field in pregame, Mike, hey, Dak Prescott's got a, a pretty strong arm. And it's not as strong as Brady's. It's not. I mean, Brady throwing the ball in pregame warm-up, just first off, the way he looked, and I'm sorry, I just got to wax poetically about this just because it's, it really is amazing. Every ball. It's, it's like it's perfect spiral. It's like you hear me say with Rodgers and Mahomes. The ball spins so hard now, it makes a sound, and you go like, is that an optical illusion? Like you got to look at it twice, it's spinning so hard. And then the other thing I'll say about Brady too, uh, Mike, and you tell me if you notice this a little, you know, he, his legs and things look thicker and stronger now than they did six years ago. You know, I don't know if he's doing more squats or what it is, but there's a pop in his leg and a look in his leg in the uniform. There was two years ago in New England, I was going, damn, he can barely keep the, the, the pants over his butt. He lost his butt. Now this, right now, he looks like he's got a base under him, and it's just, I, I can't say enough about how damn good Tom Brady looks. And remember, no sleeve on the left knee for the first time in 13 years. A little enhanced mobility, a little more confidence, too to do what he needs to do, move where he needs to go. We did not see any or many of those, the walls are caving in, I'm going to throw the ball up for grab last night right. moments from Tom Brady. No, we did not, right? That's the thing like we're, we're always aware of, if there's one little flaw in his game. And I, I that was the thing I was looking for. But Brady, you know, I mean, he just seemed like he was unfazed by it. He's got a great feel of... 
You know, again, last night you saw a few times where look downfield, look downfield, wait, nobody's open. Let me look around me, reassess the pass rush. Is there anybody around me? Okay, let me get my eyes downfield and make the appropriate throw. And he just did that so many times. And, yeah, I just feel like even for a first game of the year, he was less flinchy than he usually was. I mean, he really seems like he's in a comfortable spot. And, man, their offense, when you see them take the field, they got some look to it. They got some big, bad dudes on the offensive line. Leonard Fournette, when you see him in person, Mike, you know I like legs and butt. Holy holy cow, he's got legs and butt. I mean, he's got like our legs put together and our butt put together, and I still don't think we're as thick as he is down there. And then, of course, those receivers with Gronk, it's a really impressive-looking football team when they take the field. A lot of weapons, too, and one of the points that we made in the days leading up to the game, you're never going to have any of those guys complain about how little they get the ball. Three catches, 24 yards from Mike Evans last night. Fine, we won. Some nights it's going to be him having the 105 yards like Chris Godwin had. Some nights it's going to be Godwin with just a few catches. you got to pick your poison with all the weapons that Tom Brady has, and he will manage to keep them all happy throughout the course of the year. And he's going to throw the ball. As you said the other day, the players will respect him because he's going to go through the reads and he's going to throw the ball where he's supposed to. He's not going to play favorites. He's not going to try to force anything. He's going to take what's there, like with Antonio Brown. Hey, if Antonio Brown's going to get single covered, he's going to be open. Plenty. That's right. And I'm going to find him. And that's just the way it is. Yeah, that's it. He doesn't play favorites. You know, he really doesn't. He is going to play the game to its purest form and go where the defense tells him to go with the football. You know, maybe every now and then, okay, there's nobody open and it's Gronk. You know, he's double teamed, but he's got a comfort level with Gronk to know, like, he'll still catch the ball double team. Mike Evans the same way. But for the most part, he's going to play the game true to form. And the, the thing that just, you know, jumps out to me, like that play right there, can we, can we rewind that play one more time? You know, I think Tom Brady from two, three years ago kind of like goes, oh, wait, I don't want to sit here in the pocket anymore. Let me throw the football and just get it out of my hands. Tom Brady right now, he's into the risk it biscuit thing of Bruce Arians. He's going, wait, hang in there. Oh, wait, wait, pocket's good. Yep. I'm looking yep. to strike. And that's different for me than the Tom Brady we saw maybe in 2018 and 2019 who was a little reluctant to hang on the ball and be aggressive with his throws. That was one of the pressure points when he joined the team, the idea that you hold the on to the ball longer, guys get open down the field. That's not necessarily what Tom Brady wants to do, but he's gotten to the point where he's comfortable with that. So maybe what we see after a full year in this system isn't just the system has completely evolved to him. He's maybe evolving a little bit to the system, and we get a hybrid yeah. that is going to be very dangerous. And, you know, we, we spent a lot of time during training camp in the preseason talking about the Trey Lance, one speed, 120 mile an hour laser, and very limited variety in the game. You saw the last pass to Antonio Brown, the arc. The, the, the first one we showed in that pack, the, the looping arc to drop right. it into the bucket. The fade down the right of, sideline, yeah. yeah. Instead of firing the missiles. So he, he, the bottom line with Tom Brady is this. He's been doing it for so long. And he's managed to keep himself physically able to do it. That's really the key. Anything that you do, if you have an inherent high level of skill, anything you do, you're going to get better at with reps, with time, with experience. The challenge is holding your body together when you're playing a sport so that your brain can take full advantage and your body can cooperate 
and it all kind of comes together. And usually for a quarterback, it happens in his early to mid-30s, and it peters out by his late 30s. It's only getting better and better. And the physical ability, I'm done waiting for him to fall off the cliff. When he falls no, off the no. cliff, let me know. Until then, right. there's no cliff. There's no cliff no. to fall off of. No, You're right. There is no cliff. As long as you can protect him to a degree, he, there is no cliff. You know, yeah, he's not going to be the guy that extends plays and runs out, runs out of the pocket like Rodgers and Mahomes. But he's found a team and a, a, a group around him that allows him to play what he was, the way he was made to play, let alone what you're explaining, which you're spot on. He's, he's put himself in a position to where everything else has stayed true to form. And he's, those, he's the kind of guy that, that we've talked about before. Like, he's going to be, he'll be able to throw the ball at an unbelievable level when he's 58 years old. You know, just because he's got big hands, he's a natural thrower, he's got long arms, and like we talked about with some of the technique and all that and his mechanics, he, the arm is not going to fall off. So as long as he can continue to keep those other things up that you're talking about, man, uh, he's not going anywhere. And uh, I mean, not, not this year and not next year the way it looks right now. So we got at least two more years of Brady the way it looks for me. Well, and he's already committed to two more years. We really do need to start taking as something other than a joke the notion that he can play until he's 50. Because I'm starting to think he can. It's scary. I mean, maybe he can. I've never, you know, like Collinsworth and Al Michaels said, and I think Tarico said it one time in the pregame, you know, we've seen people play into their mid 40s in other sports, but not to this capacity. Not to where you still go, damn. I mean, he's 45 and he's still one of the best in the sport. Yeah, you know, you know me. I don't think he's Mahomes or Rodgers or Josh Allen, but damn, he's the next group down. He, it's unreal. It really is. It's, it's, I've never seen anything like it, and he's not going anywhere with the way he throws the ball and the way he looks physically out there on the football field. He did a Sirius XM radio town hall back in July, and he told Jim Gray that the standard for him is playing at a championship level. That's the standard. And he's kept himself clearly at that level as we enter this season. And we've seen nothing to make us think that it's going to end anytime no. soon. Okay, that's 38 yeah. minutes of all positive, of all glowing. And anybody that's ever had a performance evaluation at work knows there's always a caveat. There's always something that needs to get mentioned. So when we return, we are going to maybe make a few suggestions some constructive criticism for both of these teams as they embark on the very long the biggest season ever i accidentally said earlier the cowboys have 15 games left no they still got they got 16 games left the road's even longer where can both teams get better we'll talk about that next here on pft live Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes. 
The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I thought Dak played well first. I mean, um, I, I really like the way our team played you know, and preparation leading up into it. Knew we were coming in a tough environment. Um, I think you know, Dak included. So um, you know, we had some tough looks, you know, particularly some of the things they did uh, defensively. You know what you expect. Um, you know, you get in these early games, young scout looks are high. Um, I thought the guys did a good job adjusting it, adjusting to it, handling the adjustments. Uh, did a really good job getting the ball distributed on the perimeter. You know, put up some good numbers. We, you know, we just you know just came up short a little bit with the points. Um, but you know, there's things definitely that are uh, we, we can correct and work on, but uh, I was proud of the way our guys played tonight. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're plus three in the turnover ratio. I mean, our defense did a, you know, an outstanding job. You know, we had four, you know, had the one give on offense, but, you know, that's, you know, we want that, we want that to be a state, staple of our play style. Um, you know, it's, it's something that we put a lot of time into. You know, we spend uh, a lot more time than I ever have, um, you know, particularly with the team fundamental drills and it was great to see the guys have success in that area tonight. Mike McCarthy, Cowboys coach, talking about his team's performance last night. And as we mentioned, we could wax poetically about both teams. But on the other side of the coin, there is another side of the coin. There are ways that these teams can improve as the season unfolds. Let's begin with the Dallas Cowboys. Clearly, even though the 47-yarder from Greg Zerline that gave the Cowboys the lead late, true and straight, and not a doubt about it. No stoink, no doink, no bounce, no anything right down the middle. He missed an extra point. He missed a 31-yard field goal badly, badly shanked. And I know he had offseason back surgery, but still, if you're out there and you're ready to go, just like Dak, he's out there, he's ready to go. you got to be the same guy. You can't miss a 31-yard field goal, not in today's NFL, and then clang an extra point off the upright. Uh, and then they tried a 60-yarder. I want to talk more about that in a second. I don't know why you're putting the guy out there for a 60-yarder at the end of the half. But uh, we know how it goes with kickers, Chris. There's plenty of them out there. The supply far outweighs the demand. If you don't get it done, you're going to be done. You're going to be gone, and they're going to find somebody else. Yeah, no, no question, Mike. I mean, you said it right. I think Greg Zerline is one of those guys that's, you know, been around, made enough big-time kicks to where you give them – you know, a little bit of a leash before you start worrying about that. Of course, he came over from the, the Los Angeles Rams with John Fossil, their special teams coach. So there is something there. You know, I think that's one you kind of like, hey, let's evaluate this. Let's not panic quite yet. The guy has been pretty clutch and one of the better kickers in football, you know, over the last few years. Yeah, the game could have been a little different, no doubt, if he makes, you know, they left four points on the board, you know, ultimately. Um, but that's one area that jumps out for sure. I think that's one thing. But it's one that I'm not going to say I'm panicked about yet. 
I'm not. I just, like I said, is too good of a kicker. I think he'll kind of right the ship. And, you know, like you said, he came off a of back surgery and he's probably just starting to hit his stride as well. I suspect that when Jerry Jones calls 105.3 The Fan in Dallas today, one of the questions will be about the kicker. And I can already hear, based upon extensive experience of listening to and trying to decipher the comments of Jerry Jones, a long meandering response that makes the same point you did, but ultimately comes back to we left four points on the board and we lost by two. And I know that if those kicks are good, it changes everything after that. It's different dynamics, who's ahead, who's behind. But four points is four points. When you stay within two of the defending champions and there's four points you should have had, it's hard to get past that, Chris. Yeah, it's going to be a tough pill to swallow. Uh, I mean, yes, uh, you're going to be able to look at it as a base level. And if they have to ever have to play again, if they do get to the playoffs and play the Bucks, that'll be the selling point, you know, and that'll give the Cowboys belief that they can get it done. Now, Tampa on the other side is going to go, well, wait, we had Ronald Jones fumble, you know, who had a nice hole, not protecting the ball. Demarcus Lawrence did a great job of just punching it out. And we had Leonard Fournette about to catch a screen that, like Collins or said in the game, like if he catches that, watch out. You know, we could see it from our uh, one of our angles in, in our little room we were watching on NBC in the green room in the stadium. And, man, if he does catch that ball, he's got a lane. He's going to go 50 yards up the sidelines. This is an easy catch. So, hey, the Bucks are going to be able to look at it and go, hey, we screwed this game up too. You know, Chris Godwin going down to the two-yard line and fumbling, you know, in that situation where they're going to basically put the game away. Um, so both teams had their mistakes. And, you know, just as a realist, at least that, that's what jumps out to me on, on, on both sides. Chris Godwin got a shot at redemption after that fumble. We had the big catch on the final drive. We showed it earlier, the questionable non-call of offensive pass interference. I thought he was going to run to the end zone like Stephon Diggs, another number right. 14 in the right. Minneapolis Miracle. His momentum or something. I don't know what happened, but he took that giant step out of bounds at the end of the play. It's like, you had a lane. You could have gone. It wouldn't have been an issue of a field goal. You could have scored a touchdown. But uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he had Tom Brady in his head. We're not trying to score a touchdown. We're trying to score a field goal and leave them no time to go down and do what we're in the process of doing. But as to Ronald Jones, after that fumble, Chris, and and I'm reminded of an opening night four years ago, Kareem Hunt, then a rookie with the Chiefs in New England, fumbled twice early on, and they didn't shut him down. And he ended up having a huge night, 200-plus yards from scrimmage. Ronald Jones, six touches, never six snaps, Never back in the game after he had that fumble. And uh, uh, he's in the doghouse now. When you have Leonard Fournette and Giovanni Bernard, you can easily put a guy in the doghouse. But actions, even for Bruce Arians, speak louder than words. He's not happy with Ronald Jones, or he would have been back in the game at some point. No, 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 no question. And I think the other thing, you know, I give Chris Collinsworth a lot of credit, too. You know, he was he pointed out after he fumbled, he was sitting on the end of the bench by himself. You know, those are the signals that the sideline sees and goes, oh, wait, they might not be worried about the fumble. But then when they see a guy on the end of the bench kind of like sulking, and that's when the coaches go, well, uh, I don't trust him. I don't trust him. He's not over it. He's already thinking about it. You know, it's in his head. And, and that is the action. And the fumble itself, I bet you didn't scare the Tampa coaches as much as the way he acted on the sideline after to where they go, oh, man, 
he's in a mentally weird spot right now. Let's just go with Lenny. Let's go with Giovanni Bernard and, and ride them. And, and then, of course, you know, uh, Leonard Fournette makes a mistake too, but seems capable of being able to just swipe it under the rug and keep playing and not have it bother him. Mistakes are going to happen in a football game. And it's your ability to overcome them, put them away, and continue to, like, stay in that positive frame of mind. Uh, that's a tough thing for any athlete, especially in football. There was a point late last season where Leonard Fournette was moping and pouting at practice about his role. He'd been a healthy scratch for a game. And Bruce Arians eventually had to say to him, look, go think about it and you tell me whether or not you want to be on this team. If you want to be cut, I'll cut you. But you decide what you're going to do and you decide what you want. And this gets back to the idea that you got a lot of weapons, you got one football, and you got Ronald Jones in a contract year. And at some level, right, he's got to be hearing it from somebody. Hasn't right. gotten paid yet. Got all these guys. And, you know, it, you, you know how family and friends can be with those little passive-aggressive remarks sometimes. You know, a little bit of resentment. He's the guy who's, who's making a name for himself. He's the guy who's the pro athlete. He's the guy who's doing significant things. So anytime somebody else with a smile can stick a dagger in the stomach, yeah, yeah, well, it's a big year. You're going to get the ball enough? Boy, they got a lot. brought all those guys back. They brought Frenette back. Are you surprised? They brought Fournette back. They signed that Gio Bernard. Man, I thought this was your year. You got to have a big year. How are you going to have a big year with all those guys? You know how people can be. And sure. it can get into your head. This is the start of his contract year, and he got an F for last night, both from the fumble and from what you said, the demeanor after the fumble. So they got to get him on track. They need him, and they're going to yeah. need him because running backs get injured, and uh, he needs to put this behind him. And it would have been better if he could have put it behind him on the field last night. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely would be better if they could. He, he's got to. Yeah, at some point, you know, Leonard Fournette, Gio Bernard, Bernard are going to get banged up during this year or something like that. You need to have, you know, another guy. Ronald Jones, we know, has some pretty special talent. So hopefully he can overcome this and build on it. And, and you know, the one thing with Bruce Arians, he is the kind of guy that's going to give him tough love and kind of build him back up. That's the one thing we'll see for sure. Hey, another thing I just want to hit, like, with the Bucks, like to me, because we talk about areas of improvement right here in this segment. Uh, I know I've beaten this horse to death here a little bit, but I just can't believe still, like the Bucks and Todd Bowles, they got to stop blitzing so much. I don't know what else to say. That would be the biggest thing that jumps out to me. You know, when they when they played, here's a four-man rush, Dak Prescott in completion. Here's a four-man rush, okay, and now he's running for his life because nobody was open downfield. They made the game easy for Dak Prescott last night. That, that was the biggest problem. You know, and he gets the interception there. That actually was a blitz, a little bit of a misthrown and a great play by Carlton Davis. But that, to me, is one issue we got to watch with the Bucks. Todd Bowles has to fight the urge of being overly aggressive. He's got maybe the most talented defense he's ever coached on this side of the ball. You don't need to create plays for this group. Like you said earlier, this front four can get there. These two linebackers at the second level are real. And Bowles has some creative coverages in the back end. And I think if he can marry that up with just a four-man rush, they're, they're going to be really tough to beat. But if you're going to leave corners that we talked about who, you know, maybe the one area of their team that just doesn't go, bam, wow, that's, they're unbelievable in that position, and you're going to make life toughest or life hardest on that group, your, your least you know, accomplished position group on the team, that doesn't make sense. And that, to me, is something the Bucks need to reassess as they go forward. Yeah, you're already down Jordan Whitehead going into the game. Sean Murphy bunting leaves fairly early with a dislocated right. elbow. 
that's when you scrap it up. The coach who likes to say no risk it, no biscuit, needs to go to Todd Bowles and say no blitzing, no blitzing, no blitzing. <laughs> right, right. Let's trust right. the guys we have up front. And there was that moment and that that clip of Shaq Barrett chasing down Dak Prescott. That was that that occasion late in the second quarter where I started to think, oh, boy, here they come. It's going to be Super Bowl 55 all over again, and it's going to be Dak Prescott running around like Patrick Mahomes the entire second half. And to the credit of the Cowboys' offensive line, it didn't happen. Um, How do we feel about the Cowboys' offensive line? They didn't have Zach Martin, but and and there were times where you just can't stop Vita Vea. You can't. That's right. You just can't stop him. And (laughs) and, hey, every once in a while, every once in a while, the center does get thrown into the quarterback's legs. Sometimes that happens. It happened last night. Quarterbacks have gotten injured by that, not by the defender hitting them, by the center being thrown into the legs. But I thought they held up well. I mean, you you hardly heard Connor McGovern's name last night. If you're not hearing an offensive lineman's name, that means he's doing his job. Uh, Agreed. Their offensive line pass protected. I mean, they were great. They were great. That's where I was, you know, arguing against the blitz as I was watching the game, too, going, wait, you're blitzing, and you're still not getting there. And then he's making one-on-one throws. All the big throws he made in the first half were five- and six-man pressures, and he had one-on-one on the outside. And the offensive line was picking it up and protecting him for the most part. So that has got to be really encouraging, the way they look. And, of course, we know they're going to be even better when Zach Martin's in there. But I will say this, Mike, I don't know. You tell me if you agree or not. The way they played is not sustainable. Not to me. Not for in the next 16 games of the year. You know, but here again, you know, yeah, six-man pressure. You know, Ross Cockrell in a, in, a, in a tough position there, right? But that to me is where I just want to go. The Cowboys got to readjust a little here. That's a lot to put on Dak Prescott's shoulders. And when you're dropping back 60-plus times a game, well, what is that? That's just a whole bunch more opportunities for him to get hurt, a guy who's not afraid and fearless in the pocket, in the scrum, in the mosh pit with all those guys around him like we've talked about, to where they got to find a way a little bit to take some off of his plate. I really don't think that what he did last night was unbelievable, but I think they're playing with fire if they're going to try to do that week in and week out. One of the old lines from the Madden game in its early days when they would work in the quotes from John Madden was he'll fill that one in the morning and when we were talking earlier about the number of throws Dak Prescott had how can he not feel that in the morning even though he didn't get hit you're going to roll out of bed after throwing 60 passes last night in the game 58 you're right it's not sustainable he's lucky he's got an extra day or two to get ready for his next game but you can't throw 58 passes per game and uh, and expect to, to not have an issue with your your shoulder or some other body part between now and the end exactly. of the season. One last point, one last point, though. Because yeah. when we did our draft yesterday of matchups to watch, I said at the end, boy, I, I'm tempted to say Mike McCarthy and Bruce Arians because in a close game, coaching matters. I, and I don't want to be unfair to McCarthy here, but you don't go for the 60-yard field goal and give Tom Brady a crack of an opening to try to score right. before the half. Right. And and I want to go back and watch the end of the game again and break down the opportunities that the Cowboys may have had to slow it down and not give Tom Brady an opportunity to beat them. They left too much time on the clock, though, and that's where coaching comes into play. That's what you do. Do you go for it on fourth down? Do you go for two? And clock management. Those are the big jobs of the head coach 
on game day, and they did not manage the clock properly down the stretch. And Tom Brady did. I don't know how much of that at the end was Bruce Arians. I don't know if Arians or, had, or someone else got in his ear and said, just throw three incompletions and burn some seconds off the clock. But that was brilliant. And, and it makes what the Cowboys failed to do on the other end, Chris, even more glaring. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I know we got to go to break. The one thing, I, you're, you're right. And, I, you know, I think that's what they were trying to do, to your point. I think they were trying to run out the clock. Remember now, they had that third and six, right? They got a completion, and they had the holding penalty because you, you already mentioned Vita Vea went up the middle and just, you know, ran over Connor Williams, and he, and he held them. And I think that put a big, you know, damper or a wrinkle in their plans from, from there on out. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I would like to go back and watch and just reassess that a little bit as well. And, and I want to be fair now, because as I'm reflecting on that drive, it was a lot of pulling rabbits out of hats or other orifices to keep the drive alive. So you don't have the luxury of clock management when it's like, oh, man, we had another penalty. We got to convert this third down. Oh, well, we got to yes, do this. Oh, how right. are we going to do this? Oh, we got to get some of this yardage back to get in field goal range. So uh, I, I'll, I'll agree with you. There was only so much they could have done. But bottom line is 80 seconds plus one timeout for the Buccaneers. Right. We all kind of sensed what Tom Brady was going to do, no and doubt. he did it. Let's take a break. Other teams in the NFL. We, 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 we've we've uh, – oh, here we Generalship. go. Generalship. Generalship. There it is. Chris Sims, accidental scholar. Or maybe I was just an idiot. Maybe I should have known that was a word. I'm sure one way or the other I'll be hearing from folks on it. All right, let's take a break. Other things happening in the NFL. TJ Watt got paid. The Ravens are officially cursed. And plenty more when PFT Live continues right after this. TJ Watt, huge contract for him, $28 million per year in new money, $80 million guaranteed at signing a four-year $112 million extension. We have the full details at PFT. The basic summary is right there, though. It's a lot of money. The key is this, though, Chris, a team that had refused to fully guarantee any payments beyond the first year of the deal will now fully guarantee for TJ Watt first year second year and third year three years fully guaranteed for tj watt as he got this deal done some very very good metrics in comparison to joey bosa there are some areas where joey bosa did a little bit better but it's a great deal and he's the highest paid defensive player in league history and maybe he could have squeezed out a little bit more but the bottom line is he got the steelers to change their structure it's going to be interesting to see whether it's just for tj watt or are they going to do it now for other great players like Micah Fitzpatrick when it's time to pay him? Well, I would say so. Like, yeah, you got to break the mold, especially for the great players. If you want great players to keep staying on your football team or come there in free agency, you got to change with the times, like we've talked about all week. You know, it's just it's 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 no longer realistic to think you can stay in these old ways when all these guys are looking at these other teams. They know these players on the other team, and they see the structure of their contract, and they go, "Wait, wait, why would I only have one year of guarantees when I see a guy who maybe isn't as good as me?" has way more security. So I, I think, uh, you know, kudos to the Steelers to finally break in that mold. I would hope they would do that with Minka Fitzpatrick. And we know how much they need T.J. Watt. You know, it's, it's kind of an aging front. There's no Bud Dupree. He's the star. He's a Steeler for life kind of guy. And uh, I'm glad they made it happen. And, and really cool, actually, to see T.J. Watt, you know, the whole story. I'll let you explain it uh, as far as, you know, maybe could have got more, but just said, damn, it's enough. It's enough, and let's go play football. 
Yeah, I, I, some of that may be myth building, though. So I'm okay. reluctant to repeat it because uh, for dynamics that I don't want to get into for a variety of reasons either. But the notion that that he overruled his agents and said, enough, it's over, I'm going to practice, this is a deal, this is done, I don't want any more than this. That's what's being put out there. I, I, again, sometimes there's a little myth building that goes on, and that's fine. The bottom line is he deserved to get paid, he got paid, and he got the Steelers to change a rule that they had clung to for years. They have moved on from it, and now we'll see whether it continues with the other great players who deserve to get paid. But there was a lot of pressure put on the organization. When Ben Roethlisberger comes out and says, one of the reasons I took $5 million less was so you could yeah. pay these guys, that's a message. Cam Hayward comes out and says, they got to pay this guy. That's a message. And they took care of, of T.J. Watt. Uh, flip side, AFC North, Ravens, officially cursed. J.K. Dobbins, two weeks ago, gone for the year. Justice Hill, one of the guys behind Gus Edwards and Tyson Williams, gone for the year recently. Now, Gus Edwards tears his ACL in practice yesterday. Marcus Peters on the next play tears his ACL, cornerback. But the more important issue is who's going to be the running back. And Tyson Williams is the guy who steps up to the top spot. But they have Le'Veon Bell. They added Devontae Freeman to the practice squad yesterday. And they're bringing in Latavius Murray for a workout, Chris. So they could end up adding Latavius Murray as well. He would seem to be the perfect replacement for Gus Edwards. Between the tackles, hammer. That, that makes too much sense to not happen. A hundred percent. You know, it's it's I uh, listen, I, I didn't understand why Le'Veon Bell was looked at or signed before Latavius Murray. You know, yeah, we, we talked about Le'Veon Bell is a little bit of a dancer. He's not a hit the hole at a million miles per hour and go. Baltimore, I, I don't think, wants that type of runner. At least they haven't had one like that. You know, I think they're a little bit like, you know, the Shanahan offense where they're like, hey, we're going to open up a hole. We want the guy to fly through there with no reservations and go. We don't want a guy to dance and do that. Then the hole's going to be closed up by the time you, you get through there. So, you know, I, Devontae Freeman, I know they signed him. I don't see that working. I mean, there's a reason Devontae Freeman's been on four teams in the last year. You know, I, I, great career. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I think it's over. You know, Latavius Murray has gas in the tank. And even to add to that, you know, I had inside info on Latavius Murray. We got this guy that works for us. His name's Drew Brees. He played on the Saints with <laughs> Latavius Murray. And he said Latavius is an awesome teammate, still definitely has juice in the tank. And he even said last night, he goes, he's, he kind of would fit exactly what they want. You know, he's like Mark Ingram, who came from the Saints to go to Baltimore. You know, Sean Payton's the same way. He wants no-nonsense runners. Here's the hole. Fly through it at 100 miles per hour. Yeah, you're going to get hard. You get hit hard. Live with it. Let's go. And uh, I, I would imagine that if they can get the money right, Latavius Murray will be signed by that team, you know, sometime here in the next 24, 48 hours. I was in that meeting as well by the miracle of modern technology, and as soon as someone mentioned what happened to Gus Edwards, Drew Brees perked up and said, well, they got to bring in Latavius Murray, period. You got to do it. No brainer. Great teammate, gets the job done, and available. So I'm still surprised that Murray didn't have a plan B lined up when he said to the right. Saints, right. take your request for a pay cut and shove it sideways. Pardon me. But, uh, I, you know, the, the, he's there. You're right. No brainer. Go get him. And he fills that Gus Edwards role as you move forward. The Ravens were shell-shocked for a brief period of time yesterday afternoon. How could you not be? You, you, we didn't even talk about Marcus Peters other than to mention that he was injured. But one of your starting corners now 
is gone. And when this is all happening before you've even played a game, it makes you wonder what the hell is going to happen next. And if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm thinking, what's it going to happen to me? When are we going to get this contract done? I'd very much like to get this contract done before we go to Las Vegas on Monday night. It's scary. I mean, yeah, it'll put the thought on the players, and especially a guy like Lamar Jackson. Are like, you know, are we snake bitten? And you know, yeah, I'm, I'm sure those thoughts are kind of going through his brain. To your point, Mike, 100. percent But I mean, I don't know. You know, we know Lamar Jackson is the star of the team. But man, after that, when you talk about the two most important positions on their football team, running back, because yeah, the running game off of Lamar Jackson, that offensive line is a huge part of their team. And I, I would say DB is maybe the, the, you know, maybe the most important behind the quarterback. Really. They, you know, I don't know if you heard what I said to, to, you know, a brother from another there, Michael Holly and Michael Smith, when we were in our little commercial break. But, you know, you know this, Mike. We've talked about this. You know, they, they put a lot of pressure on their corners. They put them in a ton of man-to-man situations and go, hey, you know, we're blitzing here. You guys got to hold coverage here for four or five seconds. The, the Ravens have not been able to rush the passer the last few years with their four-man rush. Wink Martindale, who's a genius defensive coordinator, and I think it should be a head coach candidate, he comes up with so many creative blitzes. But they put a lot of pressure on those corners. That's why they paid Marlon Humphrey. Like, Marlon Humphrey is one of the best corners in football. Marcus Peters is in that conversation, too. You know, so now to not have that element, it's going to change how they have to call the game on the defensive side, let alone missing, you know, one of the better players in the secondary in all of football. One last point since we're in the AFC North, and I want to set this up the right way. Let's hold on to the tweet for now from Jamar Chase. What happened yesterday, Michael David Smith, the managing editor at PFT, saw an item on the Bengals' website with some quotes from Chase from a press conference. And the quote dealt with differences between the college football and the NFL football. And it was all in the context of comments that he made regarding issues he's had, wait for it, catching the football. So here's the clip that has gotten some Bengals fans up in arms because how dare we, you know, type it up and put it on PFT. Let's hear what Jamar Chase had to say about the difference between the two footballs. You mentioned early on the NFL ball being a little bit different. Right. How is it different, and, and was that more than, than you expected? Um, the ball is different because it's bigger, of course. Um, another reason is di- it's different because it doesn't have the white stripes on the side, so you can't see the ball coming in from the tip of the point. So now you actually have to look for the strings on the ball at the top. Um, which is a little hard to see because the whole ball is brown and then you have like six string that's brown, that's white. Um, but for the most part, um, you know what I'm saying? You just got to get used to it, um, find out what I'm comfortable with catching, how I'm catching it comfortable, and going from there, to be honest. Okay, that was what he had to say about it. And in response to the story that MDS posted, the tweet from Jamar Chase, I never said it was hard to catch. They asked me what difference was in the ball. Don't change my words. Now, the entire context was the issues he has with catching the football. And he had plenty of other answers about how it's a lack of focus, it's a failure to concentrate, he's been catching tennis balls to try to improve it. He talked about the drop that he had against the Dolphins in the preseason game. He was trying to run with it, he took his eyes off of it. But he said it's hard to see. He said hard. So, and, and, and bigger picture point too. That question and answer, that specific one we played, came about 15 minutes into the press conference. 
There are plenty of PR people who intervene and end these things well before the guy's just going on and on and on. You'll hear him say two more, last one. You get them, you get them out before they say something that becomes an issue like that. So, look, Chris, he said what he said. The team's website posted what he said. We posted what the team's website said what he said. So I, I'm sorry, Jamar. And I've defended Jamar. The Bengals need to work with him. They need to get him past this. Be patient. Be, be positive. Don't call him out. Work with him. He'll get past it, and he'll be great for you. But work with him. You owe it to him. So, anyway, we, we hope that he gets through it, and we hope that he shows that he can, what he can do on Sunday. Yeah, well, and, you know, to get through it, to me, he shouldn't be listening to anything you say on social media. I mean, that would be the first thing I would say. I mean, if you want to get through it, don't listen to that stuff. I mean, don't listen. Just block it out. Do what don't you got to do. Don't waste your time reading that crap. That's don't Mike Florio, don't waste your time reading that crap. I mean, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. It just, His inflection it wasn't right now. quite that pointed. I know. You're, I you're taking liberties with the tone. I am. I, am. I, 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 I like to. I like to do that. If it means, you know, getting on you a little bit more, I'll take that liberty. But, yes, uh, you know, that's the first thing I want to say to him. I mean, that's just why are you reading that stuff? That's only going to make you think about it and, and feel the situation and the pressure even more. Uh, so that would be the first thing I say. And, again, I, I, it hasn't looked good. I get it. The guy didn't play football last year. We're seeing a few guys. Hey, the guy that got drafted right after him, Penny Sewell, where everybody was going, oh, the Bengals messed up. He's struggling too. It's not easy going back to what Dak Prescott did, which is amazing again. It's just not easy to go that long of a time without playing football and just think you're going to hit the ground running and here we go. And, yeah, there's a lot going through his brain. You know, first off, he hasn't played. He's learning a new offense. He's trying to impress people. And... Uh, of course, then he drops a few balls, and it seems like it has gotten into his head a little bit. So, again, I, I'm not panicked. It stinks for him right now, but let's give the guy a little chance here because I do know there's real talent to be had once he gets comfortable here in the NFL. And, and you make a great point. You can't be worried about what people are saying. If you show that you're worried about it, it shows that you're in your head. This is something you've got to get out of your head. Yeah. That was one of the things I said very early on, and we don't know what resources the Bengals have available. We know they have a history and a well-earned reputation of being very careful with their money, but you need to have somebody talking to him about the things he should be paying attention to, the things he shouldn't be paying attention to, the things he should be thinking about, and the things he should be ignoring. Ignore us, Jamar. The best advice I can give you, to quote Aaron Rodgers, don't waste your time reading that crap. All right, when we return... <laughs> We're going to preview some of the most intriguing week one matchups on this Friday edition of PFT Live. We'll be right back. You guys like Mike Florio. I mean, don't waste there your time is. reading uh, reading crap like that. <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The legends are true. We're overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.